0: Your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this, this is the, pod, is the for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by, by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Get those trade machines firing. What's up? This is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beer. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks pod uh, New York Knicks podcast in Odyssey. WFN original we got a lot to get to on this episode so Giannis Antetokounmpo putting the Milwaukee Bucks uh, uh, feet to the fire and it could be the Knicks that could pick up the pieces there so we'll talk about what that means we'll also talk about um, the World Cup we got R.J. Barrett shining for Canada Brunson and Hart playing well for Team USA so we'll give you guys the latest on that and Uh, with Madison Square Garden when you're dealing with a James Dolan franchise there's all these political battles that at times actually do impact the New York Knicks so uh MSG got uh, a lease renewal it was not a long-term lease renewal which I think surprised some people so we'll break that down as well so all that coming at you right after this
1: you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: So like I said, my guy Tommy Beer joins me as always. Tommy, good to have you back on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed a wonderful
2: vacation. How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good. Although a vacation with kids requires a vacation when you when you when <laughs> you um but uh yeah kids had a good time we were up in the poconos and uh sounds like there was a little bit of uh uh su- some surprising quotes coming out of milwaukee what do you got for us EJ?
0: yeah this was a surprise indeed so again this is orange or blue bloods and new york knicks podcast and odyssey wfn original it's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast including the free odyssey app be sure to hit the Auto-download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time we drop. Also, remember to rate and review the podcast. And if you want to watch the video versions, you can catch us on YouTube on the WFAN channel. So, uh, what is going on with Giannis Antetokounmpo? So, uh, as one year York Times interview and a report from Mark Steins uh, now has fans wondering whether Giannis is eyeing the Big Apple. So, according to Mark Stein, quote, the Lakers and the Knicks are already being mentioned as franchises presumed to interest Giannis Antetokounmpo down the road if he does decide to move on from Milwaukee. "End quote," he adds. "That quote, the Bucks just made a slew of moves: re-signing Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, replacing Mike Budenholzer as coach with Adrian Griffin to try to appease the face of its franchise." Now, this report came after Giannis, who is set to become a free agent in 2025, did an interview with the New York Times where he seemed to put pressure on the Milwaukee Bucks to do whatever it takes to build a championship team. He said uh, signing an extension this summer, uh, about signing extension next summer, because he said this summer it wouldn't make sense given the money that he would be passing up if he signed an extension uh, this season. But uh, talking about next summer, he said, uh, I would not be the best best version of myself if I don't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. If I don't feel that, I'm not signing. So pretty direct words from Giannis Antetokounmpo. He added, quote, um, at the end of the day, being a winner, uh, being a winner, it's overall, that's the goal. Winning a championship comes first. I don't want to be 20 years on the same team and don't win another championship. So so you got Giannis saying, I know all that stuff I've said about when to stay on one team is true. But I'm not doing that at the expense of winning championships and basically saying that I'm not signing an extension until the Bucs show me that they're ready to win uh, a NBA title again. So, A, how realistic do you believe uh, it is that Milwaukee could lose Giannis and Giannis could actually end up leaving? And, and B, how realistic do you think is, it is for the Knicks to be in this picture if indeed Giannis decides to leave?
2: Yeah, AJ. I mean, I was on vacation. As you mentioned, I was on vacation. So I just kind of saw the blurbs on Twitter, scrolling through my phone, uh, you know, over the weekend. Didn't really think too much of it. You know, there's those aggregator bots that, you know, put together stuff and make it seem like every star player is on the move every other day. Um, But I got back and and then sat down and read the interview and was surprised, uh, you know, genuinely surprised at how strong his comments were. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to call it a threat. Um, But it was a putting a team on notice, essentially saying, you guys know I'm loyal. You guys know I love you. You know what I'm about as a human being. Um, And nobody can question Giannis' character and and just one of the the best people on the planet, let alone basketball players. If you know his backstory, um, I would definitely recommend watching the movie Rise. I watched it with my wife and daughter, um, Mm -hmm. and they both really loved it. Just a true underdog story. Um, Really easy kid to root for. Plays the right way. Plays hard um, the exceptionally rare player, uh, that's a MVP and plays like he's on a, you know, a 10 day contract. Um, all that being said, he put it out there basically letting the Bucks know, uh, nothing's ta- I'm not taking it for granted. Don't take me for granted. Um, you know, if you want to keep me around, make sure you do the right thing and and put the right pieces around me. So I think, you know, we have to consider that this is a, um a a interesting you know uh uh, you know i think the bucks certainly didn't love hearing this if you're a bucks fan you have to be nervous and if you're nick fans you have to be intrigued um you know he's he's one of the best players in the world um having him on your team immediately vaults you to uh you know championship if not contender status favorite status um so listen we're a long ways away um Kind of the the the, uh, the one thing that we, the one kernel of fact that we have here is that in, in mid-September, I think September 22nd is the date. I'm not sure. It's late September, mid-September. There's a date at which the Bucs can offer Giannis a three-year max extension. Um, I think it's around $120 million, um, you know, that, that would make him one of the highest paid players in the NBA. He had said in this interview, I will not sign this summer. Yes. Um, you know, basically the money doesn't make sense, something along those lines um we'll we'll take a look again next summer um again they have him on their contract for two more seasons before he has a player option um but right now I would have said you know this is something we we, we even hinted at on the pod going back weeks going back months you know maybe there was like a 15 percent chance Giannis would become an unrestricted free agent um when at first possible in in, in July of 2025 you got to bump that number up now. Do you want to bump it up to 50%? Do you want to bump it up to 20%, 25%, 60%, whatever that number is? Um, make no mistake. Giannis has put the team on notice, and all of a sudden, the 23-24 season for Milwaukee becomes a very, very important season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is essentially a championship or bust season for the Milwaukee Bucks coming up because Giannis putting out here that he wants to win that winning a championship in 2021 was the best feeling in the world and that that's not something he wants to feel just once and like he said uh you know he said about wanting to be a player like tim duncan dirk Nowitzki, kobe bryant guys that have played on one team for their entire career but he says he's not going to put that ahead of an opportunity somewhere else that may be better to win a championship i mean all the the kind of Innuendo that Joel Embiid was putting out there in that comments, those comments to Mark Mark uh, Maverick Carter. There is no innuendo in these in these comments to the New York Times. He's saying it very clear that I'm going to win a championship. If it is not here, it will be somewhere else. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how realistic I thought it was until I heard this interview. But I, I probably felt like there was a better chance than maybe most, only because of the construction of the Bucks roster it's a little wonky because you have so many of these players that are their star players that are at at, at very advanced ages. I mean, yep. You just signed Chris Millington to a long-term deal, just re-signed Brooke Lopez, just signed Drew Holiday. I mean, those are guys all well north of 30 years old. Guys that are not entering the prime of their careers. This is not a team that has these great young assets that they've been, you know, building up and developing to then be, take over become stars when these guys eventually – have to either step away or they have to move these guys. Like it's really is like this very short window for this team to win. And once that window closes, it's closed for good. And I don't really see a clear way for the Bucks to rebound and say, okay, we're gonna pivot this way. And now we're a championship intended. I I I said it a bunch on this show that I wonder if the Bucks take a step back this year because of, uh, you know, A, seeing how the regular season didn't mean much for them when they got the number one seed and still lost in the first round of the playoffs, but also, like, is, is it worth it for them to have to play through an 82-game grind uh, knowing that they have guys who are not just also older, but also we've seen injury-prone. I mean, Chris Middleton's been in that lineup for two years now. Uh, Drew Holiday has is, is been a guy who's been injured a lot throughout his career. But Lopez is a guy who's been injured a lot throughout his career, so... Yeah, I, I think it's becoming more realistic. I think it's not something Giannis wanted, but I think he's seeing what I see. He sees a roster that is very good, but it's like if it doesn't happen soon, what is the next step? And I think that's where the comments of, you know, is everybody – it was kind of weird when we said Take sacrifice some time away from their family. I mean, I don't know really what to make of that. I'm sure I would assume the Bucks are – taking the time to work the phones to make every move possible. But I think what he means by that though, is that are we, are we turning is every, we even every stone unturned yeah. in terms of trying to make this team a sustainable winner. Cause right now it kind of looks like the Bucks kind of just like kind of working on autopilot.
2: Yeah. And uh, you know, the other thing in terms of bringing in talent, um, you know, they've traded away their 2024, their 2026 and swaps. Yep. Um, the Knicks own their 25 pick. They traded the 27 pick to the Pelicans. Um, so they can, I believe they can trade one future first rounder, uh, due to the stipend rule possible. I guess they could go 28 and 30, although they traded 27. So yeah, so probably the 2029 20, first rounders the only pick they can trade. Mm-hmm. Um, they have just two second rounders left. They can trade. Remember they gave away a whole ton of a bunch of them. I believe it was four for Jay Crowder, uh, at the yeah. deadline last season. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that that's another, you know, uh, you, you only, you only have so much capital with which to bring in new talent. Um, you know, when you mentioned the aging roster, they don't have young guys that they're, you know, that, that teams are, you know, are, are, are really going crazy for. So it's not like they could trade, you know, at the deadline, if the team's kind of, uh, you know, floating above, you know, only 10 games above 500, not living up to expectations, trying to adjust to a new coach, they can inf- bring in an effusion of new talent trade for one of the top guys that, um, happens to be on the trade block. So that's another reason why, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, you got to be concerned. Um, not only is the team. Uh, the team is built to win now, so that's a good. Yeah, thing. You know, that, is, that is
0: a positive. They're not a bad team. They're a team that I can know,
2: win. by no means. If they're not the favorites to win the title this year, um, you know you can't pick two or three other teams. Um, you know, and we've talked about the East is definitely up for grabs. Um, Boston going through kind of a bit of a, you know, some some question marks. They traded away their toughest heart of the team in Marcus Smart. KP's dealing with some injuries. Philadelphia's a mess right now. Um, so it's not like there's, you know, the, you know, the upper echelon teams tend to be out west in terms of Phoenix and Nuggets. Um, and and the, the, the Bucks are probably only that tier one team in the East. So uh, make no mistake, the, the, the Bucks are, should be positive. They have every reason to feel positive about this season going very well, competing for a championship, winning a championship, etc. Um, but as we know Middleton hasn't been the picture of health in the last few years. Brooke Lopez is 35 years old. Drew Holiday's, you know, uh, you know, a few years past 30. He's talked about retiring in a year or two. Um, so again, you know, even if they, if it's not successful this year, um, it's hard for, for Giannis. It's hard, it will be hard for the Bucks to sell Giannis on a, on a vision of the future in which, okay, once Middleton and Lopez are wiped out, we have all these draft picks, all these young guys coming in to replenish the talent. Cause that's just not yep. the case.
0: Yeah. Chris Middleton just turned 32. Uh, Drew Holiday is turning 33 or he just turned 33 in June. I mean, <laughs> those ages would scare me. And, and, you know, especially with Middleton, given the recent health uh, issues he's had. Um, Drew Holiday is a guy that, you know, hasn't played more than 70 games since 2018. So, uh, again, I think that's what Giannis is looking at and saying, hey, like, I don't necessarily see um, a team that, again, is a sustainable winner. So we better win now because essentially if he signs that extension, you know, he's signing the rest of his prime to the Milwaukee Bucks being able to rebuild this thing. And then he says multiple times in the interview that I'm not about this rebuilding. Like that is not part of the equation for me and where I'm at in my career. But essentially, that is what they're going to have to do eventually when these guys. End up, uh, you know, phasing out of, of of becoming star player perspective because this is a Knicks podcast. Matching them up with the Lakers when it comes to destinations because those are the two that Mark Stein illustrates. The Lakers and Knicks are presumed to be uh, franchises that Giannis will be interested in. Those are the words that Stein uses. Why do you think though that is the case, and how do the Knicks in your eyes stack up with the Lakers?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's if you're a, a middle of the you know mid market, small market team, it's incredibly frustrating to hear. Not it's not surprising, yeah. but you know it's big cities, New York, L.A. Um, you know, Giannis, to his credit, has been a terrific te- you know teammate and and uh, employee of the Bucks organization since the day he was drafted, and and you know they took a chance on him and rightfully so. Um, they've been rewarded, um, you know, a, a million times fold. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't shock anybody if you spend some time, you know, kind of in that lower market, you know, paying him. Playing in front of um, not necessarily the biggest crowds, uh, the most boisterous arenas. Even though you know, credit to Milwaukee, they have they have a dedicated, loyal fan base. It's not like the Garden. It's not like the Staples Center or Crypto, or whatever they're calling it now. Yeah. Um, it's just that those 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 big markets, those big cities, have a different feel to them. And Giannis has played enough. Um, he's a man of the world. He's traveled enough to, you know, London, Paris, and, and, you know, he spent time in Madrid and and, and major big cities to know that there's an appeal there. So it's not surprising um, that he'd want to, you know, kind of change things up and, and go about things. And also knowing for a fact that, you know, Dolan's not going to ever blush at spending quadruple billions in, in luxury tax money to surround Giannis with the best players. And same for the bus family out in L.A. If you have a player like Giannis, um, you do what it takes to surround him. So, um, you know, this is the the, the issues that, that small market teams run into all the time. Um, but in the NBA, if you draft correctly, we've seen Um, You know, uh, the Denver coming off a championship, Milwaukee won a championship with Giannis. Um, So it's not as though, you know, uh, you know, certainly the Knicks have more losses than any team this, you know, this, this, this millennium. Yeah. Um, So, so there's no guarantee that just because you're a big city, but this is one of those situations where being in a big city could potentially help the Knicks, uh, you know, and uh, you know, the New York franchise.
0: And look, I mean, we've been down this road <laughs> for now. I guess when was, when was the summer of 2010 or 2011? Remember that was, that was what, 14 years ago, whatever, totally years ago. We've been down this road now for more than a decade. When it comes yep. to, oh, this guy's going to finally make it over to New York. Right. It really – maybe I'm going to be jinxing us again. It really feels like something of consequence is going to happen next summer. We've seen – too many people pointing to next summer as Knicks being major players when it comes to this, this star market. Again, not knowing exactly what star is going to spring loose. We spent most of this summer talking about Joel Embiid for good reason. The Sixers look like they're on the verge of blowing up, and Embiid again made those comments to Maverick Carter. But now you got got the DiCupo potentially springing loose and him making comments, and the Knicks are once again uh, mentioned. And there was a time where regardless of the the big market and regardless of what New York had to offer, um, the Knicks just were not going to be major players for big name free agents or stars that became available. You know, um, there weren't big time players when Dwight Howard went out of Orlando. They weren't big time players for um a, a lot of guys i mean the famous lamarcus aldridge uh, pursuit that ended up not happening at all because he, he didn't want to play center or whatever the situation was so they, we've seen the knicks go down this road where they're expected and don't even mention on katie and Kyrie and stuff but we, we've gone down this road where knicks ended up really not being players significantly in these negotiations where now it just feels like next summer something is going to happen the question i have though is like from the Knicks perspective like what are you trading for a Giannis Anton de I mean, there's no draft pick. I'm not trading. Every draft pick is gone, and that's. I have no problem with it. You're trading every draft pick, you're trading every swap, and it is what it is. Is there is there any possibility you can keep Brunson in a trade with the Bucks where you keep him out of it and you're able to trade basically everything else?
2: Yeah, I think Brunson's the one untouchable um, because I don't, I don't envision Milwaukee. You know, it's would they like Jalen Brunson hundred percent, but Next summer, he'll be a year closer to free agency. So he's going to be due a, a massive contract. Uh, you know, if he wants to sign extensions, stay in New York, that's a possibility. He'll probably want more in free agent. I mean, listen, Fred Van Vliet just got $40 million. If you don't think Jalen Brunson can right. get $40 plus, $45 million annually, you're not paying attention to the landscape of the league. Um, do the Bucs, at that point, if you trade Giannis, obviously you trade Lopez, you trade Middleton, you, you got the whole thing. Um, do they want one year of jalen brunson and then have to pay him you know a 200 million dollar contract you would think probably not um you know depending on what other assets they can get for those other guys maybe they feel they can be a mid-tier contender and they don't want to go the full rebuild route which wouldn't make a lot of sense to anybody um so i think if you're the knicks you say listen brunson's off the table whatever else you want you can take you know with within reason you know we can't give you iq and grimes and every draft pick and rj back you know but you know take two yeah. and three and then three of the four drip etc you know you, we can work something out um but yeah and and that's the thing that's why you, you it's crazy to feel like um that something more, you know, there's a little bit more reason to be optimistic. Yes, we've, you know, Lucy's held the football and Charlie Brown's, you know, tried to kick it in time and time again, Um, you know, in in New York. Nick fans know that feeling of the gut punch of seeing LeBron go to South Beach after, you know, announcing it in Connecticut, et cetera. We we don't have to go through all that. We know it. Um, There's reasons to be more optimistic this time. Not foolishly optimistic, not overly optimistic, not confident. Um, but, you know, okay, there's, there's some going on. Knicks have as much draft capital as, you know, uh, quality draft capital. Uh, l- let me rephrase that. The combination of draft capital and young uh, young, good players on team-friendly yeah. contracts as any team in the NBA. Um, Bleach Report just earlier this week, I think it was Eric Pink, has put out a list of, like, the teams with the most draft capital, Knicks ranked third. Um, that obviously did include guys like Grimes, IQ, Barrett. Uh, McBride Rocus Jokovitis, who's playing well in in um, in, in FIBA World Cup um, so so there's there's pieces that the Knicks can put together um, that would make any team you know that could compete with any team and if the player says he wants to be there um, and I think that's why it's so important you know uh, next summer, specifically, and, and EJ mentioned that next season's incredibly important for the Bucks. and you might ask, well, why? Because the, the, the Bucks have them under contract for two more years, so even if they struggle this yeah. season, they have until next season before they become a free agent. That's where, if you're Milwaukee, things get very, very dicey, because the only thing worse than losing the face of your franchise um, and, and something you've built the entire franchise around in Giannis Antetokounmpo... Is losing him for nothing. So if he, if if you have even Absolutely. a slightest in inclination, and you think Giannis would be honest enough to tell him, listen, I'm probably going to leave at the end of next year. Um, you, it would be really difficult to go into a season if he doesn't extend next um, to, to lose Giannis for nothing when you could theoretically. Um, you know, trade him and replenish and really rebuild your your entire franchise Um, and and with draft picks and young players and and, and just become an exciting young team um, opposed to letting uh, Giannis leave and then you're completely gutted. So that's why it's going to be so interesting what happens this season and what Giannis tells the Bucs in June, July next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, we now know the great players really never hit free agency. That's not really a thing anymore. These guys don't wait up until – all right, I'm just going to play out on my contract. And these teams don't wait up to the fact that, well, right. you're going to play out your contract and then you're going to bounce on us. No, that's not happening. So it, so these guys that say I'm going to I want to be traded and because they have that year of of leverage, essentially say, look, I have one year left in my deal, they yes. could kind of maneuver where they want to go. You know, they, yes. they're in a position where, you know, now look, some of these guys that we've talked about plenty on this podcast have three, four years left in their deal. <laughs> they still find a way to get to where they want to go. Um, but and that's what yeah. I think what Dame Lillard trying to do right now essentially. But right. when you have that year left, it's it's again it as Tommy said, it gets very dicey and it puts the Knicks in a, in a position of strength. And there is someone's gonna take the plunge? Someone I know for Knicks fans, they've heard of this and they've probably been beaten down so much, but there's just no way given the way the team is put together, the assets that the Knicks have compiled. The trades that they didn't make. I mean, think about like the fact that they didn't make the Don Mitchell trade because the price was too high. That's another thing, too. Like, people really sometimes, like, I, I'm not look, the Knicks haven't necessarily earned a lot of, you know, benefit of the doubt at all. But, like, people do, like, look at things that happen and just think, like, the surface of, oh, Knicks blew it. It was a blunder. Like, there's a reason why the Knicks were saying, hey, we cannot afford to trade three or four unpretended first round picks of our own in Donovan Mitchell trade, knowing that it capped what they could do in the future. And we say, well, what is the future? Like, this is what it looks like. It looks like yep. Joel and B telling Maverick Carter, I want to win somewhere. I may want to win somewhere else. It's yep. Jonathan Cooper saying, I'm not signing an extension until they build a champion. This is that yep. other thing. That is why they don't make the first move. That is why they don't take a plunge even years ago for CJ McCollum when he became available. Like, this is what they're building towards. So the Knicks are willing to make moves that make sense for them. But if it's going to essentially take them out of the running for that absolute crown jewel, the crown jewel players of the NBA, they're not willing to do it. And even someone like Donovan Mitchell, as great as he is, he's not on that level, which is why they held firm on a certain price. And I think I, I'm starting to feel optimistic the Knicks will eventually uh Find the fruits of their labor next summer because just sounds like everyone's saying that next summer is going to be the one. Last thing quickly before I move on, Giannis or Embiid, you had to choose one guy to add to this next team.
2: Who would it be? Uh, I go Giannis. A little bit younger, less injury prone. Um, I just I feel more confident going forward. Um, Proven that he can produce in the postseason. You know, Embiid has had his struggles, hasn't got past the second round. Um, you we know about the, uh, you know, when, uh, Giannis got to the finals, the 50 point was 50, 17 and five blocks, just insane numbers in game six to win a championship. Um, 17 of 19 from the free throw line in that game, I believe. Um, so, you know, one of the best games played by any player, um, in a big spot in the last five, 10 years or so, um, that was that Giannis game, you know, he can dominate on both ends of the floor. Um, his competitiveness, you know, you know, he's going to stay in shape. You know, he's going to, um, and he's just a, an easy guy to root for. Just again, um, everything you'd love about, um, you know, you know, this the story um, for him to come to New York would be a, a godsend for the franchise.
0: I agree. I would go with Giannis of all of the things you mentioned, less injury prone, more of a proven winner, proven champion. Um, there's a part of me that looks at Embiid's ability to shoot the ball and wonders if, if he stays healthy, will he age a little better? And I think it's a fair question. Yep. But I think Giannis is a better player right now. So, right. I think that's why I would lean toward Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy who I actually, you know, would have voted for MVP, um, not this season, but the season prior when people thought MB should have yep. won in guy. that's how great Giannis has been. and He had another great season this year that kind of got overshadowed by the MB jokic conversation. So, uh, let's move on here and let's talk about Canada. Moving on in the FIBA World Cup after another impressive outing from R.J. Barrett um, after he had a miserable game against France to start off the tournament. Barrett bounced back with two stellar performances and blowout wins for the Canadians On Tuesday, Barrett scored 22 points on 9 of 16, shooting 4 for 6 from 3-point range as Canada defeated Latvia 101-75. Barrett also added 17 points in 20 minutes in Canada's win over Lebanon over the, over the weekend. Meanwhile, it was a perfect day for Brunson as he went five for five with 13 points in 18 minutes as Team USA routed Greece over the weekend. Josh Hart also uh, provided a spark. He had six points and five assists and a game high 11 rebounds. And uh, there was a very interesting quote from Steve Kerr quoting someone else about Josh Hart that though was worthwhile. And forgive me, I, I forgot to record the audio to play it for you. But he said, quote, Josh is just a winner. People ask, what position does he play he plays winner i don't know what position he plays at one point spo turned to me and said some people get 50 50 balls he gets 30 70 balls um i, and I think a lot of nicks fans seeing <laughs> how much it kind of and i get Joe still reading that quote and i think a lot of nicks fans are very excited to hear um kerr and spolcher kind of describe heart in that way um before we get to barrett what did you make of how uh, uh two guys who are NBA multiple time NBA championship coaches described uh, Josh Hart in that uh, post game
2: press conference. I love that thirty seventy ball. I, I to me, that's like a, just a perfect encapsulation of. You know, you can try to use you know plus minus. Sometimes that even you know obviously c- c- traditional counting stats don't don't tell the story when it comes to Josh Hart's. And even plus minus, even though he's, I think I believe he leads the uh, uh, team USA in plus minus. Um, uh, one thing you know, we did, I don't, you know, we, maybe we'll mention Fournier who scored, but yeah. France struggled. Um, is averaging like 22 points per game, but his team's been outscored by 44 points in the there in the two games that, that France played. Whereas Hart, you know, you know, five points, you know, 11, you know, ele- you know, he'll just do a little bit enough, you know, sprinkling some points, rebounds, and stuff, but he just he's a winner. It's just, it's just, it really, really, um, you, you, you get the sense of it. When you see him playing for somebody else, like when he, oh, he's, you know, he's making an impact in Portland. The Knicks should probably get him. You and I were both in favor of that yeah. trade. But it's a different thing when you see him up close, and I think that's what Spo and Kerr, that have, the guys around him that have praised him, you get a different sense for when he's on your team. Um, because, you know, as we've talked about a million times, he's a guy you pick up at, at the beginning of a run, and you stay on the court all day long. Um, and a lot of it's because those loose balls um that that are typically classified as 50 50 because it's a coin flip either either side can get them um somehow some way some guys just have a nose for a ball nose for the ball it's an old cliche um but i think that sums up josh hart perfectly
0: yeah and in some ways like this (laughs) these quotes kind of answer the question of why the knicks okay with not having a backup power four in the season because they have josh hart who plays winner forget about his position as long as he's out there they're going to find a way to get it done so um, I thought that even Steve Kerr's comments about position playing, like, who position? Who cares? This guy is on court. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. And in turn, your team is going to win with him out there. So, and Jalen Brunson spoke highly of him as well. Like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see Hart play with these other players. And, you know, he's not going to be looking for his shot. He's not necessarily going to be looking to, you know, uh, dominate the game offensively. But yet, as you mentioned, he finds a way to put present a positive impact. Uh, present a positive plus minus and when he's out there team usa uh usually thrives especially on the defensive end especially in terms of their compete level seems to just increase when he steps on the floor so another impressive uh showing by josh hard and it was really great to see how two again championship head coaches viewed hard as as a winner and then on 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 jalen brunson a uh, five for five affair it's so funny like i just feel like brunson could ha- has these great games and then like the commentary is just silent about you know should he start, where Tyrese Halliburton, how much time should he be getting so many minutes? Like it's a guy goes five for five. I hear nothing about Jalen Brunson. Um, But then again, one game Halliburton plays great, and it's like oh Halliburton the greatest. Halliburton should have been starting. He's better than Jalen Brunson. I, I don't hear any of that whenever Jalen Brunson has a great game. But uh, Jalen Brunson continuing to thrive a team you would say as expected. And then on R.J. Barrett, how impressed have you been with him? I mean, uh, after a ghastly 1-for-11 showing, which <laughs> I would say alert uh, alerted Dick's fans, but honestly didn't alert me. Because I've just seen these kind of games for R.J. Barrett where he just can't make any shots. And then all of a sudden, next two or three games, he, he's on fire. And that's essentially the Canadian R.J. experience that they've gotten early on. How impressed have you been with him and how you've seen his play, his play uh, improve so far?
2: <clears throat> yeah, you gotta be super impressed. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I found interesting is um looks like uh, Drew Hanlon, his 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 trainer has tweaked his shot a little bit. Um, looks like his, his feet are a little bit closer together. His landing, you know, his jump is not jumping quite as high, trying to keep his base a little bit more compact. His shot looks a little bit quicker, um, less of a dip in his motion. So, uh, that, that could increase the quickness of a shot, which should help. Um, but again, we've seen these, you know, these, these positive streaks from Barrett, you know, only to regress a little bit. Um, a couple of things I, I do like is, um, He's, he looks like he's looking a little bit once he gets into the paint, looking to, 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 to get his a couple feet in the paint and then dish. Um, uh, one criticism I have for RJ is in games that I've seen, we've seen that a little bit where he's when he's involved offensively, um, he's more engaged on the defensive end. I've seen that for team count as well, like, for instance, the Lebanon game. Um, you know, he was really good in the first half, kind of, and then Shea Gilger, Alexander, who is playing? Just watching that. gills up, I don't think there are too many players in the NBA that have a higher upside than. I mean, we're going to be talking about him as one of the five best players in the NBA. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I said it on this show with you, but like, I was like, he might be the best premier scorer in the
2: league. Like, he's, I, like that's he's that good. He's, he's, he's crazy. He's crazy. Good. But um, yeah, so he basically took over in the second half and RJ seemed to like take a secondary role. Um, but that's the thing, like when the RJ gets engaged, and I think it's a, a good reminder for Tibbs and um, something that we've talked about, maybe folk, maybe utilize him more with that second unit, especially if um, uh, Josh Hart's playing power forward, get him some more opportunities with that second unit. So you have Brunson and, and Randall kind of holding down the fort and being the focal points of the offense, Uh, You know, for the first seven minutes of a game, let RJ stay in and then, you know, play with that second unit a little bit. And, you know, he could, you know, potentially be kind of more of that focal point Um, because we've seen him, you know, in in times past um, when he's given an opportunity to do so. He can score the ball. Um, Looks in tremendous shape. Um, One of the one of the reasons that he um, that it was uh, kind of assumed and hinted at that he struggled at the start of last season, 22, 23. Was because um, uh, the contract situation, you know, he hadn't signed the contract extension, so maybe he wasn't working out. You know, maybe it's limiting. You know, his time in the gym, his time. Oh, running, I don't want to get
0: hurt. Yeah.
2: Didn't didn't want to get hurt. It seemed like he came in a little bit sluggish, a little bit. You know, not quite firing at one hundred percent. Maybe this is a good sign that I'll come into camp. Um, we'll see if he, you know, wears down a little bit. You know, come uh, May June. Um, hopefully, the Knicks are still playing around then. Um, but it, he, maybe he comes into camp. Um, and really starts off on fire mid October November gets off to a better start than we've seen.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting with RJ Barrett. And I promise Knicks fans, I'm not trying to trade him when I say this because I I'm, I think I'm the one less likely to trade the Tommy on the show. But it just feels like Barrett looks great. I don't think anybody can deny. It. I mean, he looks great. He's looked he looked great in exhibition run. He had the one terrible game against France where you couldn't buy a shot. But besides that, he, he's been great pretty much this whole time. But I dare I say I almost get Obi Toppin vibes in the sense that like will I ever see the best of R.J. Barrett right. in this iteration of the Knicks knowing right. how much they run their team through Randall, knowing how much they sh- are and will and should run their team through Jalen Brunson like is there any way to unlock another level to R.J. Barrett like he's averaging 19 to 20 points a game in the last few years like is it even possible for him to average 22 to 23 points with the way the Knicks play like one of the things I saw in playing, watching well, this game with Team Canada that, you know, some of this, you know, you're playing against teams that are more turnover prone, you know, maybe a little less athletic. But, like, you know, Lake Canada gets out and runs. And, I mean, RJ has been an error. He's had some highlight real dunks in transition, which we've seen a, a little bit with the Knicks. But, like, the Knicks don't get out, and they don't get out and run. Like, they don't play a style of defense that causes a lot of turnovers, in part because they want to protect the rim. And the Knicks have had a good defense, so I'm, I'm not really criticizing this with that. But it's the style of play, so you don't get as many runouts there. Um, you have two isolation players, so you kind of end up walking the ball up a lot. Like the Knicks don't play to RJ strengths in a lot of regards. Earlier in the exhibition round, they asked him, like, what's the difference between this and how he plays the NBA? He says, you know, the pain's wide open. The Knicks famously play uh, you know, two bigs that can't shoot in Hartenstein and uh Robinson. So He's not gonna. Have, he's never gonna have those wide open paints as long as this is the team he's playing with. So I say that just to say that as great as this has been, and it has been great. I think that, as you mentioned, if, if Edmonton past Arctic starting his role that might be good enough. But I just wonder, like maybe there is an all star hidden in there that we just won't ever see because of the guys that are playing essentially ahead of him in the pecking order of the scorers on the squad.
2: You know, you mentioned, can he take his game to the next level? He averaged 19.9 or, you know, basically 20 yeah. points last season. Can he get to 22 or 23? issue was he scored 19, 20 points inefficiently. Um, the best version of RJ for the Knicks is probably him averaging 16 but shooting closer 50% from the floor than 21 and shooting 42% from the floor. You know, those really only take the shots that are open to him. Focus on knocking down open three-pointers and, 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 you know, camping out in the corner, spreading the floor a little bit more. It's obviously not what he wants to hear. It's not what his dad wants to hear. It's not what Drew Hanlon wants to hear. Uh, and again, to your point, that's not knocking RJ. If you take RJ Barrett and the Knicks release them tomorrow and he signed with the Washington Wizards, he could average 24 points a game yes. for the next season Absolutely. and put up a ton of points, score, you know, get, you know, average six, seven rebounds, get some assists in there, knock down a bunch of threes, probably not do so probably not in an efficient manner. If he had a complete and, and un, you know, just the absolute green light and probably wouldn't lead to a lot of wins. Um, that's kind of the, you know, that, that's, that's, that's where it gets tricky, um, you know, for RJ, for the Knicks trade talk etc because this might not be the the ideal situation for him um the ideal situation for the knicks in that spot is a true three and d um guy that's content to lock up the other team's best perimeter player and camp out and and take four or five uh uncontested three pointers you know per half, something like that
0: and then the question becomes as well like you know because again nobody questions brunson's role in the offense but right that shouldn't mean that julius Randle's role in the offense should be yep. a little less than it's been like you know he's the absolute guy for the Knicks; he's their leading scorer um and look he's 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 done it at a, at a fairly efficient very effective level in the regular season but we've seen in the postseason that he essentially is is nothing he's zero he's zero impact maybe a negative impact really for the team, whereas R.J. Barrett in the postseason was uh, a positive. Uh, after the first two games against Cleveland, where he struggled, he was pretty much great throughout the way up until game six against Miami. But like I said, I go back to the team and the in the creation of it and the head coach. Do I think that there's a chance Tibbs says, you know what, Randall, we need you if we're going to win. Maybe you dip down to being more of, a, of, of the third option here, and we can play a little more open space, get R.J. a little more opportunities. And you kind of be more of a 19-20 point score. I, I do just do I would never foresee that happening as long as Randall and Tibbs are together uh, on this team. There's just no way that's happening. I mean, maybe in a situation where Giannis comes over, maybe then <laughs> Ryan Randall takes that third option role. But I don't see any way where that ever happens with the team the way it's currently constructed. And that that to me, beyond even RJ, in terms of like whether or not he could win as a 24 point score just like his overall development as like a player like yeah. he might not ever reach his full potential like right. with the Knicks the way they did like maybe he can eventually be a 24 point scorer who can win games like I don't think yep. he's not exactly. today but maybe he right. gets exactly. that, that point does he ever get there playing with the Knicks I, I just I, I have my doubts about it
2: yeah I mean listen one he's just 23 which is crazy I yeah. how young he is and the other point is, it's really important to note how well he played during that ten game stretch from you know game three of the Cleveland. He's
0: outstanding.
2: Uh, played incredibly well. So he basically, um, you know, said that you guys think I can't play effectively and win games. Watch, go back and watch the tape. Um, the other, but the other thing to note is, um, going into this upcoming season. The the one basically change in the Knicks roster was getting rid of Obi and bringing in Divincenzo. So if anything, Divincenzo is going to take more touches, more shots away from RJ. Right. Um, whereas Obi, you know, played exclusively with the second unit, played exclusively power forward, and would had out no plays drawn
0: from him ever. No <laughs>
2: plays drawn from him ever. Um, Divincenzo is going to take more shots. He's going to yes. get more assists. He's going to have a higher use, much higher usage rate than right. um, than than Obi Toppin did. So where does that slice of the usage pie come from does it come from rj does it come from mark does it come from brunson does it come from iq probably ideally a little bit of each but you know nonetheless that's another reason why it's probably unrealistic to expect rj to score more again but that doesn't necessarily mean he He becomes a value world, of plays worse
0: exactly and we mentioned quickly before we move on him playing more at the venture which is something that tim's to his credit, he really gave R.J. that chance. Like, he, you know, he takes him out early. And R.J. Yep. comes in, in you know, late first quarter or beginning of second quarter with that second unit. And there were times last season on this podcast, on the regular season, I said that R.J. was not doing a good enough job leading that bench unit. Um, It wasn't until Hart came in that, that bench unit finally kind of took off. Like, yep. R.J. needs to make the most of that time. Like, I, we all agree that he's not going to be a number two or number one option when he's playing with the Stars. But he is number one option, no question, when he comes off the bench with that second unit um, in the second quarter, like he needs to kill other teams, second units. And I think in terms of making a big jump for RJ, that's what I want to see. I want to see him really take charge. And when he's out there, he's playing like a star when he's uh, playing with, you know, the hearts and the IQs of the world. I don't want him being relegated to kind of letting these games sometimes get away uh, when that unit came out there because he wasn't being aggressive enough or not efficient enough. So those would be things I'll be looking at for next season. So, uh, could it could the next days at 33rd Street and 7th Avenue be numbered? That is a little bit of a question because uh, Madison Square Garden lots is bid to permanently operate above Penn Station on Monday. Uh, two city council committees voted to give MSG just a five year operating permit that is just half the length of its current 10 year operating permit and is uh half of what. Um, a planning committee had required or re- recommended for uh, Mass Square Garden moving forward. So now if this vote that happened with the two council committees gets approved uh, by the full council, it will be the shortest permit the garden has received in 50 years. Now the deal demands that the garden be required to make improvements for pedestrians that could bring the uh, the, the aging facility more in line with the redesign of Penn Station. If you've been around Penn Station, you know a lot of construction has been going on. They, they try to remake that thing, and it's not the prettiest of sites at all. And Madison Square Garden, being the the, the entertainment hub that it is, doesn't necessarily help with uh, speeding up those uh those those uh you know renovations. Now, according to Cranes New York, a move for MSG actually seems to be becoming increasingly unlikely with this deal, though. So it adds quote uh to the likelihood that any grand new train hall will be need will, will need to be built below the hulking arena a fact that the city and state policymakers have come to accept even as some transit and community advocates continue to argue that the garden must re- relocate for Penn to reach its full potential so they did have to make this deal and there were some concessions but it seems like this talked about move a Matt's square garden away from 33rd and 7th isn't isn't imminent, it may not even be likely at this point, despite this only five year operating permit that's been allowed by the city council as of right now. So you asked how will this impact Dolan? Um, well, according to the New York Times, the brevity of the new permit could theoretically strengthen the city and state's hand in negotiations with Dolan um, by creating an uncertain business environment for the arena's owners who might be, be uh, loath to invest serious money into the garden that they have no guarantee of immortalizing over a lengthier time frame. So essentially, this is kind of like a barrel being held over James Dolan moving forward saying, hey, if you don't want to play ball, I mean, you only got a certain amount of years left. And these other people who want to invest in businesses in and around Madison Square Garden may not want to if you only got five years. So this seems to be, uh, Tommy, like almost like a last shift effort and maybe the one that will work to finally get against the Garden and Penn Station to kind of play ball with each other so that they can kind of work this thing out. But are you still confident that MSG will stay where it's at? Because as I said, they are transit and community advocates who um, still believe that the garden has to move in order for this to work. And some that say they won't still give up this fight.
2: Yeah. Listen, I- I'd be uh, dishonest if I said I knew the inner workings and the political, the power structure. Um, I- I'll just say this. Dolan's a very powerful figure in New York city and New York city politics. Um, the Dolan name carries a lot of weight because they are incredibly wealthy. Um, so, uh, yes, they have, uh, let's just say, uh, they have some people that have a vested interest in keeping him happy and keeping Dolan, you know, the family happy. Um, so I wouldn't, I would bet on, the Knicks getting their way, essentially, because they have so much money to throw around. Um, and at the end of the day, unfortunately, we know that typically trumps um, what what's better for the public good and for the for the common New Yorker um, is, is, is who is who benefits financially. Um, that being said, it does seem like obviously New York is pushing back Um, The powers that be are pushing back against Dolan, trying to, um, you know, get the best deal on their behalf, which is what they should be doing. And as we know, Dolan is a um, he's not a guy that takes threats idly. Um, He's not someone who, uh, you know, deals with what he perceives as disrespect in a a cavalier manner. Um, You know, type of guy, if you're going to push, if you're going to threaten, you better be prepared to follow through on that stuff, Um, because Dolan has that type of FU money. Um, where he can, you know, he can take a loss, he can take a beating, and it's not really going to impact his bottom line. I mean, you know, we see this uh, quite frequently with extremely wealthy individuals, um, including a, a someone who spent forty-four billion dollars on a tremendously successful app, and then renamed it and did everything in his power to destroy it by going from Twitter to X and you know whatever else Musk does. <laughs> yeah just, you know, demolish the value of this thing. But again, he's lost so much money when you have, you know, billions, literally, you know, $50 billion to begin with, um, you know, losing a few billion here or there is, uh, you know, like you and I forget losing 20 bucks in the wash. Uh, um, so for that reason, uh, but again, you know, so so do I think MSG is going to stay there? Yes. I think it makes sense for all parties involved to kind of keep the status quo um, centrally located, good for the garden. Um, You know, you you know, we don't have to worry about Dolan defaulting on loans, or you know, a a risky proposition coming in. You know, we had there was that talk of Amazon moving into Long Island City. Everyone got excited, and then that fell through. Um, Sometimes that you know, the the, you know, a a bird in the hand beats two in the bush. That although you know those type of cliches, Uh, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Um, You know, Dolan has been good to the city. Uh, He's certainly benefited from tax breaks and and, and, other things. You know, in 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 a massive way. Um, but you know, he's, he's also not been afraid to spend that money. He hasn't hoarded that money. He's reinvested in the product, the Rangers, um, the, 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 the Knicks. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's something we'll keep an eye on. Um, it sounds like there, you know, obviously there's, there's a five year window now and there'll be a lot of threats and back and forth yeah. for the time being. We'll probably just have to wait and see until we get closer to that kind of, uh, you know, make or break deadline.
0: Yeah. And the garden released a statement saying we are disappointed. The committees have done a grave disservice to New Yorkers today in a short sighted move that will further contribute to the erosion of the city. That's true now and will be true five years from now. So Dolan, who wanted again, they pushed for years and months for a permanent lease to operate at that location. And here they're only getting five years. Again, they got some concessions that would have came, that would have been less if they actually got the 10 year thing that was approved by the city, the city planning committee had these very, I guess, for lack of a better term, draconian things that the garden would have had to do to get the 10 year lease. They scaled that back, but only gave them the five years. So this to me just feels like something that's going to continue to be batted back and forth. What I will say is, I hope the garden doesn't have to move. And just from just a basketball standpoint, because I'm a basketball, podcaster i'm i i I was a news writer but i'm not a news writer right now um to me there are there are really no classic venues in the nba anymore you know we we lost the spectrum we lost the great western form and i am watching uh winning time and seeing the old form uh you know uh on on the on the on the on the show winning time with the lakers of the 80s like, we don't really have, like, any Wrigley Fields or Fenway Parks of
2: the NBA. That's not really Boston, a thing. Boston Garden gone.
0: Yeah, Boston Garden's gone. They had the TD Bank Garden, which is not the same Boston Garden. Like, right. we don't have those fam- you no know, famous classic basketball arenas anymore. Like, they don't exist, really. The Garden is the only one. The Garden did have a major renovation about uh, 10 years yeah. ago that was a billion dollars, which is a big reason why Dolan doesn't want to move. Like, he just right. spent a billion dollars updating his current arena he's not trying to tear it down and then build yeah. another you know three four billion dollar arena somewhere else like he has the money but that's not something he money he's trying to spend right, 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 so right. that's the biggest thing of why he does not want to move at all but at the same time just again from a basketball standpoint like you know coming to the garden is special because there's no place like it in the nba now you know whatever new arena Knicks would have if they did move would be called Madison square gardens so though almost certainly yeah. But, like, it, it would it would still lose a little bit of luster and a little bit of shine knowing that this is not the arena that was been, that's been that been there for 40, 50 years. Remember, this is the second Madison Square Garden. There was an original Madison Square Garden that was by Madison Square Park, which obviously would make sense. But, you know, this is an arena where so many classic events have happened. We've seen the Knicks, uh, you know, win a championship. We've seen the Knicks uh, move on. In the playoffs, we've seen so many great performances from opposing teams, so many biggies tournament events, so many St. John's games. Ali Frazier, I mean, Frazier fights. Boxing matches. Ali Frazier, like, it's, like, indoor arenas. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, it's indoor, so, you, like, you can't have a crumbling infrastructure. So it makes yeah. sense that we don't have a lot of those buildings anymore. But Massey right. where Garden, in many ways, is, like, the last of its kind. So if they lost this spot and they had to build a brand new arena somewhere else that would be a shame
2: agreed agreed so yeah again it's in everyone's best interest to keep it the way it is so we'll see if cooler heads basically prevail
0: yeah we'll see what happens look at someone who also i know you traveling from long island i'm traveling queens like penn station is not in good condition so that it's also needs problem. to be fixed as a, a new yorker place. Like, I don't want to make it sound like all I care about is basketball. <laughs> that Penn State situation is a problem. Like, I, I moved away from New York, came back, and started taking, you know, the subway and taking Long Island Railroad again. And the first year I was here in 2019, I could not believe that it was basically just, it was like destruction almost. Like, I know they were they were constructing a lot of things, and it's turned the corner a little bit, but like, I mean, it is not in good condition, and it feels like this construction is being prolonged so long and it, it, there's no question a part of that a big reason why that's because you know they got you know 40 30 000 people <laughs> on top of the thing going to see the rangers are going to see the knicks are going to see billy Joel or or, or, or you know drake or whoever is performing at the garden at night so um yeah it will be something to continue to follow but uh something has to be fixed on both ends they gotta find a way to do this pensation thing more um in a quicker, more effective way. And then at the same time, um, they, they got to keep the garden where it is. They got to find a way to make this thing work. So hopefully they'll be able to do that. But um, that'll be a good place to leave it today. So I want to thank you for checking out this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Again, New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFN original. Is a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time you drop. Also be sure to rate and review the show. You like the podcast, make sure you give us a a rating and review on whatever uh, streaming service you're listening to. And as always, you can check us on YouTube as well. The full videos of the podcast and shorts from the podcast get posted on the WFAA channel. So make sure you check us out over there. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Uh, Tommy, quick, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, to EJ on Instagram, TikTok, and threads. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, these guys. Peace.